Welcome to the Powerful Love Podcast, where the love of God meets the power of God. We believe that the Word of God is truly powerful, and we want to provide teachings that challenge you to believe in more and for more. Stay tuned every week for a new episode uploaded. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again. So today we're going to be officially starting back on a new series called Gifts, Callings, and Anointings. And with this series, I really, really pray that you learn your purpose, learn your uh, design, what God has ordained you to do um, in your life, in the church life, and in your own personal ministry. And a couple of things I want to point out as we go through this is that no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in Christ, you have a God-ordained purpose and a God-ordained design specifically meant for you. The Bible tells us that God formed us um, while we were yet in our mother's womb, and He also knew us before we was in our mother's womb. And so He has created a design specifically for you to function in, a ministry specifically for you to operate in, and a gift, giftings that He has specifically designed, because He knows you way better than you do. He knows you better than anybody else does. And so He knows exactly what it is that He wants you to do in life. And a lot of times, some of the um, teachings and some of the um, things that we mention in church have sort of negated the simplicity of walking in our gifts and in our callings. And so I pray that through this teaching series that you'll get a better understanding of what God has called you to do, and it'll open the door for you to see more, experience more, and um, get to know who you are in Christ as a a child of God, not only or as a son of God, but also as a worker for God and um, who you are in Christ more than just the sonship and the um, uh, childship of being in Christ. And so the first part that we're going to be talking about is just simply defining the gifts, defining gifts. And there are three areas of scripture that we're going to look at um, in regard to the giftings and the callings in themselves. And the three areas is going to be Romans 12, 3 through 8. The Romans 12 gifts are uh, what we're going to call God's gifts or God's ministry gifts. And as we go on through this series, we'll ask what we'll, how we'll define them. is just God gifts, God's ministry gifts. The second area of Scripture that we have giftings is in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. And we simply call these the manifestations or the gifts of the Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. And then the last area of gifts is Ephesians 4, 7 through 11. And these are what are typically uh, referred to as the fivefold or the office gifts. And so as we continue on through these, um, we're going to look at three Greek words also that uh, correlate with each of these areas of Scripture. And the three Greek words that we're going to look at is the first one is charisma. Charisma. The second one is going to be doma. And then we have doria. And with all three of these Greek words, they have very specific meanings. And in each of their meanings, it helps us understand how each area of those scriptures, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, function or how they work in regards to how they are defined as well. I want us to go ahead and look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We're not going to look at the gifts, but we're going to get um, an idea of why we separate these gifts the way that we do. So if you would go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, and we'll read through uh, uh, verse 6, 4, 5, and 6. So it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. We classify these as 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, the nine gifts of the Spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities, differences of ministries, but the same Lord. We call these the Ephesians 4, 7 through 11, the office gifts, the fivefold gifts. And then verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And we will be calling these the Romans 12 gifts, the ministry gifts of God. And so defining each of these areas of uh, gifts lets us know what type of gift they are and lets us know what to look for in receiving them, which we'll talk about specifically a teaching on how to receive the gifts. So the first Greek word that we look at is charisma. Charisma simply means a divine gratuity or a spiritual endowment. A divine gratuity or a spiritual endowment. The word charisma comes from the Greek word charis, which means the divine influence upon the heart. And the word charis is, is um, majority of the time is translated as grace. It is the main word that we use and have an understanding of what the grace of God is. Ephesians 2 verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. For it is by charis that you have been saved through faith. Charisma gifts themselves are what we simply see as divine endowments of grace, and they are by grace. In other words, the charisma gifts are free gifts that cannot be attained through works, but they are only attained through receiving freely. So as we'll see later on, this will also help us uh, see a distinguishing or how God designed it. These gifts distinguish us from the world. The supernatural manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit help distinguish us from the world as well. Romans 12 through through 8, the God gifts, the ministry gifts of God, and then 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, the gifts of the Spirit, use the word charisma to define the gifts listed. That word charisma is specifically for the Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. They are freely given gifts, and they help distinguish a believer from an unbeliever. Again, the root word charis from charisma has another meaning also, though, and it means an inner gift that is reflected in one's life. This right here shows us that the spiritual endowment comes from the outside or from the inside to the outside. It is an inner gift that is reflected in one's life, meaning that if you have a quote-unquote charisma gift, that means that it will be seen in your life. It'll be um, recognized. It'll be uh, manifesting. That's why 1 Corinthians 12 uses that to define the gifts of the Spirit, is it says they are the manifestations of the Spirit. So we see charisma gifts are freely given gifts. They are given by grace and must be received as such. We have a lot in the body of Christ that are trying to work the gifts of the Spirit, trying to work their ministry that God has uh, designed for them. But if you'll simply realize that they are grace gifts, you will realize that they are very simple to operate in. A lot of we've we've created too much dogmatic and legalism in the body of Christ where people don't know how to operate freely in the grace of God to where they can operate in their gifts. And so you have people who stress out not knowing what their purpose is. You have people um, even having anxieties because they don't know what God has called them to do. And it's simply because we don't teach that grace and gifts are the exact same thing. Or another way to put it is we don't understand that all that God has given is actually given. It doesn't have to be worked for. It doesn't have to be tried for. It doesn't have to be stressed over. All that type of stuff. We just have to listen and obey as we go on. 
So the other two Greek words that we have is doma and doria. With doma, doma is a gift, a gift that is granted to one, a gift that commissions one. It's a gift, a gift that is granted to one, or a gift that is commissioned to one. The word doria is a free gift, but this word right here is specifically in regards to a free gift that expresses honor. A free gift that expresses honor. And both of these Greek words are found in the Ephesians 4, 7-11 through 11 gifts, or the um, office gifts of God. Or the office gifts of Christ is, is better yet how it's put. So let's read this real quick. Uh, Ephesians 4, 7-11. through 11. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be uh, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now this right here, like we said, these are the office gifts of the Holy, of, of Christ. And in verse 7 right there where it says, according to the measure of Christ's gift, that is translated as doria, or a gift that expresses honor. So the very first thing that we see here is that with the office gifts, these are positions of, quote-unquote, honor. They express honor. The whole purpose of, of the Ephesians 5 gifts is, according to verse 12, they are to equip the body of Christ. And what is so interesting is that it says that these are Christ's gifts. These are gifts that express honor. So in other words, it's not gifts that demand honor. It's gifts that exemplify honor. When we see people in the um, apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher office, um, because of a lack of understanding on this, be, of, of being an example or equipping the church, we automatically heap on this demand of honor if you're in one of the fivefold office gifts. But that's not the way that Christ operated. That's not how he did anything. He never demanded people call him Jesus or the Christ. He never demanded people to um, heap him up as to be exalted. He simply uh, showed people honor, and by him being honorable, showing forth, expressing honor, he immediately received honor back. And that's how the fivefold office gifts, they are training, they are equipping, they are being examples of the image of Christ in specific areas. And so these gifts are Christ's areas, or these are Christ's manifestations of his honor. These are, let's, let's just read verse 7, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, according to the measure of Christ's ability to express honor. Christ's ability to express honor. These are gifts that express, not demand, they express honor. Amen? So just for the simple fact, the reason I want to harp on that is because if you feel that you've been called to one of the fivefold office gifts, there is not a area um, that you uh, get to demand honor because you've been called to one of the fivefold. Instead, what you've been graced with is the ability to express the honor of Christ. What happens is because we have put this demand on the fivefold of honor towards the fivefold office gifts, is that we have all these fivefold office people uh, operating in pride instead of actual honor. And you cannot demand honor if you're not expressing honor. Amen. The second word in this area of scripture for the office gifts is the word doma. Doma means a uh, gift that is granted to one to commission one. 
So we see this part in verse 8. So let's read verse 7 and verse 8. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's ability to um, express honor, duria. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And gave gifts to men. Like we said, that word doma means a commissioning, a gift that commissions one, to commission one. And so it's, we can read it this way. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave commissionings to men. Commissionings. So while Daria speaks of the honorable gift, the gift that expresses honor, doma speaks more of the actual gift itself. The gift itself. So we have a um, we have a, a position, and then we have a gift. So one is about positioning, while the other is about commissioning. You can look at the presidency as an example of this, and, and typically any title or any uh, position that is established by a law or by a um, constitution like ours is, um, it does not matter if there's somebody in the position, it still is an existable position. So take the presidency, for example. It's an established office that's been set up by our constitution by, um, by law. Now, it does not matter if somebody's in the position or not. The presidency is still a um, le- legitimate position. It's still there, whether or not anybody is in it. But once somebody is in the office, that's when it actually becomes um, something that can bring change, can bring reformation, can, can do its job. So the presidency is a gift to the nation itself, but when a person fills that position, the person who takes on the position has officially become a gift to the nation. The person themselves has have taken on the quote-unquote gift. They have been commissioned into an area to where they can express honor. Amen. And this is why the office gifts are so vital is because they have no area, they have no area, they, there's no room actually when we understand the office gifts, there's no true room for pride to come in because the whole area of the fivefold, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to express honor by being commissioned by God. Another way to put it in regards to the office gifts is that when one is called, they have received their commission. When they've been called, they have received their commission. When they operate in their gift, they have become doria, or the positioned, meaning that you can't express honor if you're not expressing. So there has to be a forward movement with the gift. When there's a forward gift, a movement with the gift, they have taken on their position and they're able to express the honor that the Lord wants them to. You have taken on a commission, you've taken on a doma, and now you are in a position or a doria. Other scriptures that use the word doria, a positioning, are Acts 2.28. Acts 2.28, Peter has stood up and he's um, um, giving his very first quote-unquote sermon. And he's talking about the salvation of the Lord and the gift of the Holy Spirit is for anyone and everyone whom the Lord may call. And he uses the phrase, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that word gift right there is doria. It is a positioning of the Holy Spirit is what he's talking about. And so the gift, the positioning of the Holy Spirit is a doria. It is an area that expresses honor. In other words, you can look at it in the, it's a very simple way is that if you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have been given a position that expresses honor. Amen. You have been given a position that expresses honor. Therefore, if anyone, any believer says that they are, if any 
believer says they are saved, that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they are to be honorable. That is the forward motion of the gifts of, of, of Christ in Ephesians 4. And simply the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in us is an area of honor being expressed. So if you have the Holy Spirit, guess what you have? The ability to honor other people. Romans 5.17 is another area that uses Dorea, and it's referencing the gift of righteousness, the gift of righteousness. Righteousness itself, just in its simplest definition, just means a good position with God, a good position with God. When we have um, received Christ as Lord, we have died to ourselves. The Holy Spirit has resurrected our, our dead uh, sinful nature into the righteousness of God. That is a position, that is an honorable position, an area, a position that expresses honor. It is a doria. So the position of honor that Doria gives is simply to be or to be recognized as the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Every single believer has the Doria, has the gift, and the gift is the Holy Spirit. And as we continue on, we will steadily say more and more that your relationship with the Holy Spirit determines all gifts and determines all callings. Amen. And we'll see that more and more. That'll be something that we'll steadily probably harp on is the importance of your relationship with the Holy Spirit being able to operate in the gifts and being able to operate in your call. If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you will most likely miss the gift and you'll most likely miss your call because you are being sidetracked into other areas thinking they are what is going to quote unquote commission you or position you. And it's only by the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to Ephesians 4, verse 8, where we see doma used, the word doma. Like we said, the word doma is talking about the commissioning. It's a gift that commissions. Another word that is uh, used in regards to this is purpose. When you have been commissioned, you have, been, you have received a purpose. You've been, you have received your design, if you will, by God. So another way to read Ephesians 4 verse 8 is that when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave purpose to men and gave purpose to men. Doma itself, the commissioning, puts greater influence on the nature of the gift, its purpose, its character, and what it brings about. The office gifts are gifts that give us purpose because as we'll see later on, the call is who you are, it's not what you do. And like we said, the Doma puts more characteristic or more influence upon the actual gift itself, the gift, the person in themselves, than the actual um, uh, movement of the gift, if you will. So we have gifts that are freely given to distinguish oneself from the world, the charisma. These are Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and they are simply gifts of grace. They operate by grace. Then we have gifts that are also freely given. They are grace gifts. But these ones are gifts that actually commission or position you into an area that expresses honor, to be an example of honor. Another way to look at these three areas of gifts and callings is that Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 are action gifts. They're verb gifts. They do something. They are um, uh, actually doing something in (laughs) in the church and in the world. Ephesians 4 gifts are position gifts or they're noun gifts. They are somebody. With the Ephesians 4, the fivefold office gifts, as we see in verse 12 and so on, is that the person themselves who fill the position are actually the gift to the church. 
You can look at it as your pastor, your leader um, um, in the church. That is an, the person themselves is a gift to you. God has put them in that position to be a gift to you. It's not that you are trying to take their position so that you can become honorable. It's that the person themselves is a gift to you. Amen. Romans 11 verse 29, it says, For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Other translations put, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, all gifts and all callings are divine appointments given by grace. All gifts can be called grace gifts. It is through no merit of our own that God empowers us and uses us as he wills through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. As we said before, you can't work for a gift and you can't work for a call. You can have a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit so that the gift and the call can manifest or that you can actually hear the commissioning of the Lord, but you cannot work for it. I can't serve um, so much in the body of Christ that the Lord automatically says, oh, they think they'll be a good apostle. No, 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 that's not how it works. It is simply he knows and we serve until he calls. Amen. So gifts and callings. Um, we want to sort of separate these wordings a little bit as we continue on, um, is that with gifts, gifts are determining, determining what I do. They determine what you do. Your gift is not your identity. Amen? Your gift is not your identity. While the other, the calling, actually determines who I am. The calling is what gives me the purpose. And when I know the calling, I know who I am further in Christ, if you will. So the calling actually determines who I am. Gifts are wonderful. They are necessary, and we have to have them. We need them, and they will help us discover our call. But it's not the gift that actually tells me what my call is. Amen? So it is your calling that will give you divine purpose and allow you to see the path that you need to take as an individual member in the body of Christ. The call will look like whatever God has spoken to you. The call will look like whatever God has spoken to you. Typically, when we think of the call, we think of the call being one of the fivefold office gifts. God has called me to be an apostle. He's called me to be a prophet. He's called me to be an evangelist. He's called me to be a pastor. Or he's called me to be a teacher. We lump it all into just these five categories. Yet, when you go back and you read Ephesians 4, and when in the context of the office gifts, we do not actually see the word called in Ephesians 4. We don't actually see that. So in other words, as we continue on, we'll see this more and more. Um, as we continue on, we'll see this more and more. But when we talk about callings, callings is not about titles. Callings have nothing to do with titles. It simply is about obeying what God has called you to do. What God has spoken to you, that is what he has designed you to do. So we simply come to the conclusion that the call looks like what God designs you to be, not what you do per se. I can function as a prophet. I can function as a teacher. I can function as, a, as an apostle, but I still have not necessarily learned my purpose. Because like we said, they are called gifts. They're not called callings. But we do see that they are, um, that you are called to do those types of things. But it's important to recognize that as you function in your gift, when you function in the gift, that is when the Lord will actually call you and determine who you are in Him. You can look at Romans 1. Uh, go ahead and turn to Romans 1, verses 1 through 7. The call itself is revealed as the Lord reveals his nature in you. 
as the Lord, as we commune with the Lord, as we commune with the Holy Spirit, uh, deepen our relationship with Him, a call will beget a call. He will call upon calls, if you will. So look at Romans 1. It says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. An apostle is a gift, but we see here Paul being called to be an apostle. Separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Additional callings will happen. Additional callings will happen as you go. As you obey what you know to obey, you will continue to be called. And you will be called. And you will be called every single time. Whenever you obey what the Lord has initially spoken to you, you will um, continue to be called until you are called home. Until you um, uh, meet the Lord in the air. Until you go to heaven. You will continually be called. And so it's not about trying to find out what our um, one overall call is, if you will, but it's about just listening to the Lord, obeying what He has said, and listening for the additional calls. Now, when we go through uh, Scripture, there are three calls that we all should experience, and this will sort of help clarify what I'm talking about. There are three calls that we all should experience. The first one is the call of salvation. This is the overall call that God has uh, sent out, if you will, um, the call for salvation. Any who shall call upon the name of the Lord. And Jesus even said in John that uh, no one can come to the Father unless he is first called, unless the Lord has called him. And so the call of salvation has gone out to anyone that will answer that call. And that is where we all begin in our um, uh, Christianity and our walk with the Lord is that we answer the call of salvation. The second call that we will all experience or should experience is the call to ministry the call to ministry, Acts 13, verse 2, and 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17. The call to ministry is simply, like we've, like we've been saying, is that you obey what the Lord has told you to do. The word ministry itself is translated as service, service. So in other words, you could say that wherever the Lord has called you to serve, you do that and you'll continue to live in your calling from day to day, from, from service to service, from calling to calling, you will continue on in what the Lord has called you to do. The last calling that we all should experience is the call home. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says that we will meet the Lord in the air and forever be with Him. If you are saved, you have answered the first call. And now you get the opportunity to listen for the call of ministry, which everyone is called to in some capacity. It does not mean the fivefold necessarily. It just means that you will be called as you operate in a gift. Amen. So the gifts themselves are given freely, and it is in the operation of the gift that a call will happen. Amen. So as long as we are steadily, um, quote unquote, putting our hand to the plow, as long as we're steadily serving the church, serving the Lord, blessing the Lord, serving where we know to serve, it is in the middle of those moments that we will hear the resounding call of God to learn who we are in God. We will learn our purpose. We will learn our destiny. We will specifically learn our God-designed identity. Amen. And it is found in serving 
So many times where the stress and the anxiety of our purpose of trying to find out our purpose comes from trying to do something other than serving. I try to learn as much as I possibly can because I feel like I'm called to be a pastor or a teacher. And the Lord has not called you to do that. He's just called you to serve. And you may have a hunger and a desire for learning, for having understanding, but that does not necessarily mean that you are called to that specific area or to do this or that. It just simply means that you need to listen. You need to listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit as you serve. Amen. And like we said, all the gifts are free. They are given by grace. Therefore, there is nothing we can do to operate in one more than another. I cannot try to um, incline the Lord to make me a prophet. I can't try to incline the Lord to make me um, better at administration or so on and so forth. I simply have to just listen to him and find out what my call is. Now, as we learn our call, though, we can actually begin to take the pro- the um, the responsibility of perfecting or maturing the call that we have received. And we'll talk about this more later on. But once you've actually received a call or you um, are functioning in a gift, you can actually learn how to mature in it because you know that this is officially now part of your identity in God, in Christ. That is who, part of who you are. So you can actually mature in that. So like we said, don't stress over um, over what your call is. Don't stress over what your giftings are. If you'll simply just serve the Lord, you will find those out very easily. Amen. You'll find them out very simply, very quickly, and it'll be a whole lot easier than it seems like it, and it seems like it should, which is what grace is. Grace is just the free gift of God given by Jesus Christ. If I have to do anything else to try to get God to give me a gift or to get me into a calling, then it officially is not by grace. It is by works. It is by um, my might or my strength. And so if we will just simply um, trust in the Lord, be at peace, have the joy and the righteousness of God in us and and, uh, living through us, and having that faith and that understanding, we will find our calling. And it won't be... I shouldn't even say it like that, find our calling. We won't necessarily find it. We'll just discover that which is already inside of us. Amen? Like we said, upon salvation, you have a brand new spirit inside of you. A brand new. It cannot be fixed. The Lord doesn't fix our spirits. He resurrects them because they are completely dead. We were in a fallen nature. We're in a fallen sinful nature. And therefore, when we get saved, we've been resurrected. As Romans 5 talks about, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead has raised us uh, along with Christ. We've been raised from the dead inside of us. And therefore, what has become new or has actually become alive in us is now being discovered by us. The scripture uses the word revelation. When we discover something, when we have those light bulb moments on the inside of us, that is what is happening, is that we are discovering who we are in Christ. And that includes giftings, and that includes callings, and that includes anointings as well. So I pray that you've been blessed today by this uh, podcast. And um, if you have any questions, of course, always contact us um, at the uh, email address that's located on all of our podcasts. And also you can find us on Facebook at Powerfully Loved, Instagram at Powerfully Loved, and you can also find us on YouTube at Powerfully Loved. We pray that you are blessed and always remember that God does powerfully love you.